0: all right how you doing you're listening to nyc radio live david ellen bogan here great to be with you this is a, a different kind of show um usually we concentrate um, on music um, today it's more dance but you know dance is just music in motion and, and more than that too of course um, and I met Misa Kelly who is performing at the uh, collaborations and dance festival which is still going on at Triscalian Arts I strongly recommend it you can go to uh, triscalian.org I believe and you can go to ArtBark. Org to learn more about Misa Kelly. Really fascinating story. Uh, she brings alive... Well, you'll, you'll hear. She, she brings alive the, the story of her incredibly talented sister in um, you know, a journey through dance, and she's got quite a story herself. So here we are hanging out at the apartment, uh, Misa Kelly and myself. Enjoy is at the Collaborations and Dance Festival at Triscalian Arts, which is still going on next weekend. Um, so I didn't... I didn't, I wasn't planning to come there, you know, but I thought they said, oh, it's dance and knitting. Like, that. That's, that's what they described it to me. They're like, oh, it's a dance and knitting event. I was like, okay, that's good, because it's something different. Um, and then... Uh, you know that was a really moving piece. With this, I don't know if you got to see that one. There was one about dance and knitting.
1: I danced in that you were, one. You were in that as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I was.
0: Yeah. I was curious if that was the same person. So that was very. That was very moving. Um, and and you know when you're saying why do we do this? Uh, I was having like kind of all these revelations about the lack of of utility in a. Kind of uh, capitalistic sense mm-hmm. is almost th- is almost the joy, like the the fact that you have to say, "Why are we doing this?"
1: It's almost the antithesis of it. Yeah, and I think that it is the balancing factor in a planet that is very much out of balance.
0: Mm. So it's like everybody is trying to make their widgets and And this or 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 even trying like it's it's always about making a buck, and this is like mm-hmm. the worst idea of how to make a buck yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly and the in, in when you think about capitalism, it's a how to make a buck, but within the model, a sense of spirituality or spirit or heart or values and ethics aren't a part of the dynamic of capitalism. But for the artist and for the maker, that may be the very heart of the work that they do. It's very much a spiritual practice for myself and I know for other artists as well. And I think that's why we have the willingness to go through, make such great sacrifices to continue on with our creative practice.
0: Right. And I once was present uh, for the interview during for one of the uh, Original beats, and um, he he was saying that you know there certain directions one could go in life, and that you have family that might tell you not to go down these paths, and they might love you and they might be right. And he said, but still hang out with other people. So, <laughs> so it, I imagine that. You know, when you're doing something like this, where you're pushing the boundaries of of art and expression, that that having a community is really vital to making that kind of happen.
1: I think so, absolutely. It's such an esoteric field that uh, for the boutique artists, usually it's the family and friends that support them. Uh, If you're a major label, then you have the hype of the press and big marketing and Mm -hmm. name brand and recognition, and then you can have audience draw. But for the lesser-known artists that exist in the eaves, it's not the same case. But what I found really fascinating before I came out here, there was a West Coast celebration with all of sort of like the big-name choreographers in New York, and I really enjoyed myself, but I... Uh, in, in addition to performing, I'm able to see the works and I had this moment of revelation thinking I'm so grateful that the road let, less traveled by chose me and to exist in the eaves of dance because I found the work um, a little had a little bit more bite to it and I for me as a maker creative and spiritual and soulful growth is really important and being in a container around other artists that are also seeking and questing and pushing boundaries is really important for growth and i think once you become well established as a, com- a company then your funders and patrons they you know they they may expect the similar similar thing and maybe there's not as much creative growth
0: right and it happens very slowly and like without your own realizing it I yeah think, you know yeah because you start oh yeah making little choices yeah. That, yeah
1: and and in a in a broader brush stroke it's a lot about we talk about the 99% you know the the artists that exist in the eaves is the the bulk of the dance community
0: mm mm-hmm. mhm so yeah and then i guess I'll, I'll talk about my subjective experience for your piece because it mm-hmm. might be interesting to you so you know uh your your piece began and we're watching this video, and it's very compelling because it's—it's it's, you can tell that this is a person being interviewed who has some kind of, you know, uh, mental issues of some sort, you know, and it's very—we're s- totally surrounded by people like that um, in New York City, but mm-hmm. it's very rare that you get to hear them uh, in the in the dignity of an interview. Mm-hmm and then that was that was interesting and then suddenly we see the art of this person and you realize oh this is a f- profound person mm-hmm. this is this is uh, you know a very high level artist um and that's you know a very powerful moment as a as an audience you mm-hmm. know and um i learned afterwards that this person uh is your sister Mm -hmm. and and as you know seems that you know what you're expressing is is telling her story of of the challenges of of even being allowed to make her art within the the mental health system correct
1: yeah and the whole journey there was a period of time where i didn't know where she was where she was homeless for uh, 10 years. And I think the important thing to articulate, uh, especially when you see someone on the streets, she, I mean, my sister, in essence, was the person who collects recycling. And for her, it was a sense of purpose and a connection to the environment. And she collected recycling. She didn't make much, but she wanted to contribute to the planet. Wow. And even though she couldn't function to keep hold a job, um, that was her way of supporting the community.
0: Wow. That, I mean, that, that and, alone. And, you, and
1: Yeah, and so now when I see, I know there's people in my community who collect recycling. You just have a greater degree of empathy. And also realizing uh, the people who are on the streets, uh, I think my sister made that choice because some of these facilities, these lockdown psychiatric units, are they're hellacious, it's horrible things going on inside. And I uh, just was really struck by her desire to, one, uh, get out of the situation she was in, and when someone is in a, a horrible setting, uh, it builds on the PTSD that they already have, and they can't function. They're not. They don't have the capacity to. Advocate for themselves. And what's really interesting about the mental health system in Los Angeles County, there are no checks and balances between the integrated system. Uh, for instance, with elder care, they have something called a long term care ombudsman who is independent uh, and visits the facilities to make sure that everything is okay. But there is nobody that visits inside these facilities, and oftentimes family members don't come. I remember visiting my sister once, and I talked to one woman. She says, oh, I come and see my brother once every three months for 10 minutes. In the interim, we know that there are people on the planet that are sadistic, and it's a part of the human condition to have these fabrics of people who have their own i would say spiritual illness and soul illness that they derive pleasure in inflicting pain on vulnerable people and so it's a it's a perfect oppor- perfect opportunity for them to carry out their poor behavior when you don't have somebody checking in on these people these vulnerable people right and to, I had over six hundred hours in calling into her, and to just hear, you know, the screaming and the yelling. And uh, I remember the one, screaming and yelling in the background. In the background. And then she's saying, "Oh, so and so is eating out of the trash can, and fights breaking out, and oh, it's these two guys are fighting over sex with my roommate." Wow. Or being being on the phone and hearing her go away, go away, and asking her what's happening. And she'd say, so-and-so is trying to kiss me. Um, and then also being in the room, having a roommate, having to witness your roommate have sex. Right. It's just crazy. Or being stuck in a room. She has eating issues, which is often goes hand-in-hand hand with deep trauma, our body image issues and eating issues, being left in a room, in a dark room, with cold cafeteria food and being forced to stay there until she eats. Mm. And this is, look at, this is like 2018.
0: Actually, my parents used to
1: do that. Stand <laughs> 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 oh, at the table before, before you her. eat. Yeah, they, <laughs> would, they would let me leave the table till yeah, I ate everything. Yeah,
0: but But, you know.
1: So it was interesting to me that she not only <laughs> wanted to get, spiral out of the situation, but she wanted her art to be a voice.
0: Right. And that, so, I mean, so that was one of the kind of, remarkable things was that you know i guess radio is not the perfect format for (laughs) what a great artist she is but you know it's pretty profound stuff it recalls picasso and and and, you Mm -hmm. know this kind of thing very dramatic and and powerful and pithy and you were saying that she was never allowed to to do more than half an hour of art a day or,
1: or... Uh, well that it, it's very situation to situation when she was homeless she just didn't have the the resources sure. and she was a professionally trained artist and uh, when she she was an award winning artist all through school you know junior high she won awards high school she won awards she got a a partial a small scholarship to go to Otis Art Institute and they all thought that she would be the next Pablo Picasso, so phenomenally gifted. And um, if if she hadn't, I think, been exposed to the trauma that she was in our formulative years, she might have achieved that. Uh-huh. Um, and I think for the he- spiraling up journey, the healing journey, in my own pro- uh, process... I think harnessing someone to a sense of their life work and passion is the greatest healing. Not so much art for therapy, but life work. And uh, when I first came back into her life, I hadn't really been a part of her life for 40 years because the healers I was working with said that it's best to not have any contact with your family. And the concept of putting your own oxygen mask on first, first. And about eight years I attempted to reach out and be a resource to her because she was asking for support she was asking for help and I tried and I became really destabilized and my doctor at the time said you can't do this right now and I had a experience in 2015 where I really I came close to death I was really really sick and had a brain aneurysm had a brain aneurysm repair and when I got my health back I was asking the universe, why am I still here? You know, why? I felt like I had a second breath in life. And something spoke to my heart and said, it's an opportunity to help your sister. And at this time, I had achieved everything that I wanted to on the road less traveled by as a multidisciplinary artist. And I thought, okay, now is the time I'm going to be began, and my therapist thought I was done with therapy, and we were wrapping it up after a 25-year process of work with, I think, about 10 or 15 therapists. I reentered her life and discovered she was in a really horrible, horrible situation, and she asked for help. She was saying, things are going on inside this facility that are keeping me stuck. The people being around so many sick people, it's contagious. I'm getting sicker. So we began the long, arduous journey of advocacy and trying to shut down the the poor behaviors inside the facility and began to take her to art classes. And she she began to come back to life. Uh, I, I didn't think initially at first that it was possible. The first outing that I had with her was almost a... She was playful, but she also had these robotic moments where i would say something and she would repeat it back mm. and then because i've learned so much about trauma recovery and i wasn't aware at the time there's something called peer support and the concept of peer support is someone who has been in the in been in the pit and has crawled their way out they know how to get out so they jump back in to help somebody else mm. out so i just organically began to work with her in a process that I've developed uh, as an artist called Joy Blossom Yoga, which is about being present with the person in the moment and then following your heart and your intuition with regard to what is most beneficial. And I realized the first thing for her is she needed to become aware of her self-aware. She had no self-awareness. And, like, for instance, she wasn't aware when she was triggered as a word that you use in PTSD mm. so we began with simple grounding techniques to get her grounded and I began to teach her some mindfulness techniques and emotional freedom techniques and the power of journ- journaling and of course plugging her back into her life work because she like me in order to survive the 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 deep trauma developed a subdivided psyche that used to be called a multiple personality disorder mm. or dissociative identity disorder and um well for myself and my recovery path my front personality was always pretty high functioning she's really fi- uh more fragmented and it seems like the uh the disability is much more Severe, and her strongest part is her artist self and her student self. But that part was buried by all of the rest of this. So getting her plugged back into her, her art was really pivotal in in her coming back into her body. I think.
0: Right, and how's she doing now?
1: Ah, uh, she had a, a recent psychotic episode. Uh, we had to go through this horrible journey uh, uh, when we weren't able to resolve some of the problems internally. Uh, my sister said, please report the doctor, report these people outside of the facility. I I can't do this. And so I began knocking and calling every door, and uh, there were Nanette, uh, I can't remember her, a politician in Southern California, I had sent a letter to the county, the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors, but they didn't do anything. And she initiated an investigation. And when the investigations uh, uh, started, things got better. I could, the, some of the abuse stopped, and I also noticed it was interesting. I, I all of a sudden wasn't hearing any more of this groaning and screaming. And I, my sister reflected back and said, "Yeah, it has gotten better since the investigation." But then they did what most people do, uh, who are, I guess in essence we were whistleblowers who we experienced retaliation. Um, and they all gave a doctor's order that I not be able to see her, and the corporation sent two letters to the public guardian's office and asked that the conservatorship for her be taken away and a public guardian assigned, and my niece is the conservator. And this all was enormously stressful for my sister and uh, every person that we talked to they kept saying you need legal support you need legal counsel but we didn't have the funding for legal counsel so i coached my sister and i told her what was going on i said people are telling me we need legal counsel but we can't really afford it you should ask the judge cuz you have a right to legal representation so when she went to the first uh, court meeting she did she had the courage she said i would like legal support for help getting out of this facility so an attorney was assigned to assist the conservator to get out so at the, me- the hearing uh against the allegations with the corporation the judge cited on behalf of the family and it felt like it felt like we were given this gift with the with the chaos we have in our nation right now it it to me was such a, a beacon of of hope mm. that in in essence to have this corporation that was trying to take the conservatorship away from family they lost it felt like a David and Goliath sort of situation so they uh, he then they were we were trying to get her moved and they didn't want to move her and then so the judge then gave a court order for release of her records and they still wouldn't move her and they began to make up new stories about what was going on and they began to say well she's not eating and she's losing weight but I could see clearly that she was gaining weight and uh, the public uh, defender went to pick up the records when they wouldn't release the records And they said there were some really wonky things in the records that showed that the corporation was lying by holding her there. And they put her in a skilled nursing facility with no mental health care. And she had been eight months smoke-free and was sent to a facility that gives away free cigarettes to the clients. And they put her in a room with two roommates. And it's like a hospital room with curtains in between. And the two roommates have... There were two televisions, and they were on twenty-four-seven. And at first, I didn't believe it until I get a call at three o'clock in the morning, and you'd hear the televisions blaring. And anybody who doesn't sleep for a month, you're gonna—it's sleep deprivation. You're right. gonna have a psychotic episode. But the beauty of it. This time, in the past, when she has been triggered, she has run away from facilities and has disappeared for three to six months and has no recollection of what she's done. But this time, she stayed present with the process. She even asked for more medication. She asked to be hospitalized, so she had to be shipped off to be stabilized, and she's back in the same facility. And though it's not ideal... The facility has a different perspective on the value of the arts. Uh, She, her, um, at the previous facility, the woman that was her advocate was someone who was a religious extremist. Uh, one of the things that they wrote about why they wanted the conservatorship taken away was because our relationship was inappropriate and our relationship was an art relationship. And I think they didn't like me taking her to life drawing classes. And the other, the facility we're in right now... Because there's nudity. Because there's nudity. I mean, how crazy is that? This is a woman who is professionally trained and her passion is painting live oh, right. from the model that's her calling that's her life right. work but because it it conflicts with the advocate's idea of what's appropriate then they have the right and the power to shut it down but the new facility they've been great they approved me right away to take her on art outs artings the social social worker said it'll be great therapy they also approved for me to take her on a family overnight, and for the first time in three years, she slept away from a facility and with a big bed and a pool. And we went for a pedicure and mm-hmm. just had the the time of her life. So even though it's not ideal, um, I think that it's it's better than it was. And also, because she's in a skilled nursing facility, the long-term care ombudsman has jurisdiction. And when I called them about the sleep situation, they, because uh, the facility said the, the patients have a right to have the TVs on, and I asked, well, doesn't she have a right to quiet time? And the long-term care ombudsman agreed with that, that she has a right to quiet time yeah. and just as much time. So she wants them to come advocate for her, so she's going to do that so she's she's doing better but it's going to be a long journey
0: well that's i mean i've i know a few people who have had some interactions with the mental health uh, facilities in new york city and one was just uh actually a straight whistleblowing situation retribution for whistleblowing uh (laughs) in in and it was very difficult to get out and you know it, it it was almost from his description it was it was an extension of the the, the kind of executive law enforcement you know mm-hmm. party like there, you know and
1: it uh, feels militarized inside yeah yeah for me at least uh-huh. my personal experience
0: and it's interesting so i mean it's just to hear that you 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 took yeah, and, you know, and I'm just thinking of other things I've seen, just with with bureaucratic systems. You know, I I taught in the Bronx for a while, and you know, the thing the teacher said was uh, that you know, teachers, schools change teachers more than teachers change schools. You know, and it's like when you have uh, a big um, kind of collective of people that the 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 culture of the machine can can be so much stronger than an individual trying to change it. And, mm-hmm, it, and often mm-hmm. it just changes the individual. Yeah. Rather than the, so it is absolutely miraculous that you guys had success. And, you know, and I,
1: I think a part of it is the nature of the project that we're doing. I must have contacted... Ten, fifteen different organizations: the governor's our office, the American Medical Association, CARF International, which over oversees them. And when it when it was like, when I talked to one attorney in an advocacy nonprofit advocacy for the mental health. And when I told her what was going on and what I was attempting to accomplish, she had basically told me to give up and it's impossible. And I thought, why in the hell are you even doing the work that you're doing? And something spoke to my gut and spoke to my heart to put her in the safest place I know and the safest place would be in a creative project so we launched this project called the Van Gogh project and I said as the intention that this work of art would be getting her out of the facility into her life work would be the project itself with realization of her ultimate goal being the end of the project and her wish is to one day have her own apartment and her own studio because she worked before and I believe she has that Capacity in in her and in the project, I also sent the uh, intention to have it be um, kind of like a, a experimental social change where I would send art into every facet that I interfaced with because when someone is conserved it's it's a really complex web, so in essence, you know the art project became. Emails to Mother Jones, tips to the New York Times, tips to the Los Angeles Times. It became uh, being present, because we were talking about art and the creative process, it became integrated into the political system. It went into the courts. Uh, For instance, I wasn't aware of someone under an LPS conservatorship that can't enter contracts. And when the attorney that was assigned uh, discovered that I had arranged some exhibitions for my sister, she said, We have to be really careful it could be construed that you're taking advantage of your sibling so I it's art went to court for her the second art show I described what the venue was and sent pictures of her art so in essence you know her artwork and my artwork and a description of this community went before a judge and the judge voted in essence or whatever they do he yeah. he decided to favor her on behalf of the of the artist. And I and I think sending creative energy and the light of awareness into these dark resources, because I think the fabric of our society wants to recover, wants to heal, I think that that's, that energy has helped us along the way.
0: Yeah, I mean, that kind of brings the conversation a little bit full circle, because it's we're talking about the total impracticality, <laughs> almost being the point. Mm-hmm. And yet this 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 uh, this was the key to unlocking mm-hmm. all these, uh, these 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 really tightly you know wound mechanisms right i mean it was like mm-hmm. they...
1: and i think because you know we uh, there there's so many impossible scenarios in in the world around us today and uh the important thing to do is to look to to the leaders who've walked before us and have managed great feats and to learn from them, but also realize that we need fresh approaches for today. So like, for instance, Martin Luther King was really pivotal in growing up. And there was a point in this process, the creative process, where I had what is called an act of creative disobedience. And when the investigators were investigating, the corporation was just presenting lies about the family and i sent them something that was a part of my creative research and also a part of my sister and i's van gogh project we had something called a reality radio series where we were taught we would use uh, van gogh's quote uh, to do good work must one must be well housed have good food and be able to drink your coffee in peace and we and used that was a quote from that was van a quote Go- from van gogh so yeah. we would use that as a context and i would ask her well do you, are you well housed and she would talk about the housing right. so i sent them this uh to show them one that the corporation has the capacity to lie and two, the nature of the relationship. It's a beautiful project. And somebody within the investigative branch sent that link to the corporation who in turn sent it to their, their medical malpractice attorneys who drafted a cease and desist letter demanding that I, in essence, destroy our art and threatened me with a $5,000 fine and a year in jail. Um, and I think the important lesson, and I even stated when I sent it to the send it to him, I said this is an act of civil disobedience. And when I, uh, uh, it was just so beyond belief that people who are hired and paid by the government, you know, government-funded to protect the rights of the vulnerable, the lead investigator didn't even know the law. I had to quote to him from the lanternman Pete. Petrus Short Act, how what the corporation was doing was in violation of the law, but they sent it to the corporation who then sent it to the attorneys. So in essence, they were sending a harmful letter to the very client that you were serving. And uh, another sort of figure that was, or a quote that came to me was Nelson Mandela, it always seems impossible until you're done. And truly, the situation seemed impossible, but when you're presented with something impossible, when you're gifted with that, the universe gives you the resources you need. And for myself, uh, I have some Hawaiian ancestry, and there's some—I think there's some healers in the lineage. They call kahunas. I've always identified as a cultural shaman, and I began in to, to cope. I began to do some shamanic journeying and began to work on on that level. And I also had the metaphor. Uh, my brother was a falconer and passed during this time. I would falcons would always show up and so whenever I was in a thick moment I would just imagine the falcon in the sky you know they have the birds coming at them but the falcon stays the course with their heart you know Mm. keeping staying course
0: interesting what kind? What was the method of the, the shamanic work that you? Ah, uh, th- uh,
1: I'm trying to remember. The, it's shamanic journeying. They play play drums, okay. and then they leave, lead you on guided medi- meditation. Uh-huh. So you learn your spirit guides okay. and your uh animal guides and I'd spend time in nature, uh feeling one with the land. So if my sister was in a bad space or a situation came up, I would use that energy and that meditation and intention and from a place of unconditional love would send it into the situation. Wow. And calling on ancestors for support as well. Right. Yeah.
0: Wow. And and before this you know you said that before you uh had that medical situation you you, you've accomplished a lot of what you wanted to accomplish in in the arts yeah
1: which was intriguing for me because I came to the arts eight in light late in life I was uh 28 um and I was going through ceremonies with highest honors and thought I was going to go get a PhD in Stanford and something spoke to my heart and said you're not done yet and I realized I had always wanted to dance and I had one class left and I Went to the College of Letters. You're going to
0: get a PhD in what?
1: In economics.
0: Okay.
1: Somebody wrote on my behalf and said this woman's really bright. You should give her some funding. They sent me a letter and said we've got funding. We heard you're really smart. We would love to have you in our program. And so I dropped it and I let uh, my pursued dance. And I think it was actually the dance that unlocked the trauma. Uh, because trauma is uh, held in the body. There's a new book out by Bessel van Kolk, and he talks about the body keeps the score. And when you dance, uh, it's a lot about bringing your body into functional alignment. So if you have, have memory is stored in the body and you release the tension, then the stories come tumbling out. And then also it became a wonderful healing resource for myself, to shamanically and culturally shift that energy by uh, taking the deepest, darkest shadow energy imaginable and transforming it into a thing of beauty and catharsis and inspiration that not only brought wellness to my soul but to witnesses to the project as well.
0: And where 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 does that dark energy? Does it go somewhere? Is it is it? somehow shifted like you know like what
1: it goes into the art itself and Uh so I see the drawings that I have uh, I see them as my medicine in a way it's a way of overcoming whatever the challenges that I agreed to or just happened by hard luck to come into There's something called the Me Too movement that I'm sure you're aware of. I think there's something that I would call sub-Me Too that we're aware of, but we haven't even begun to acknowledge. Like, we know of something called the dark web, and we know on this place called the dark web that there's parents who talk about how they abuse their children and the children enjoy it and and sometimes it's not just the family it's in in our case it was an integrated system so you know my parents there were my sister and I were both sex trafficked in essence and we were sold to different communities and uh, I don't want to go into the the depths of the of the trauma uh, and also medical experience but experimentation but it was horrific stuff i mean torture is not fun i mean the flip side of torture is that in order to survive you you create the human body is so resilient you use your creativity by creating different aspects of your psyche and walling it off and the and the altered states of consciousness that that it induced but to recover is a really it's a lot easier now than when I was doing it in the in the 90s. In the 90s, they knew very little about trauma. So when you had your flashback, you would fully relive the event. You if you were anally raped, you'd feel the the, the horrible searing pain of anally raped. If you were sh- shocked with electricity, you, your, your body would remember with the electric sort of of jolts. Um, and so you would relive the experience, but uh, now there are so many wonderful healing modalities like EMDR and somatic experiencing. And what somatic experiencing does is you you ground into the present moment and into your body, and you let that be ninety percent, and you you always stay present. And then ten percent is the flashback of what you're of, of what you're experiencing. And there's creative ways of Dealing with it, for instance, uh, one author by the name of Allison Miller, if you had have a, a dissociative identity disorder, a multiple personality disorder, other survivors have disco- discovered that it's really helpful to m- to in- set the intention to move these different aspects to different parts of your consciousness, and I found that very very helpful.
0: So, if someone's having some kind of traumatic flashback. They, with the somatic thing, they're supposed to. They're recommending you take the the experience and put it ninety well, you, percent in your body or uh, identify n- uh, it. N- uh, no, what, it what you there. do
1: is like for instance, if you're if you're if something is coming up, is uh, if, uh, my therapist would ask you to go to the place in your body that feels most comfortable, and sometimes you can't find a place of comfort and you feel really numb. You're completely Uh out of your body. So it's always an option. You can stroke your hair. And you put all of your attention onto your hair, a hair and then the body re-regulates itself because what t- stuck trauma is it's just energy that needs to be released and and then you ask your body to do to do what it wants wants to do to release the energy so but not so much that it activates a system where you become even more agitated but little bits. so for instance with my sister on the phone when she was triggered and having a flashback I'd, I'd say hold a little rattle and shake your fists and then back to the breath and the body. And then also what was really helpful, like when I asked my sister this time around what was most helpful for her, she said the work of Thich Han, and Thich Han teaches mindfulness. And I had given her one meditation that was really helpful for me. Uh, where he, he, in the meditation, it's about the present moment, beautiful moment, lovely moment, and to know the present moment so you don't get lost in dream. So she before she wasn't able to discern what was a hallucination and what was a reality but this time around she has she was able to discern what is real and what's a hallucination like one of her hallucinations uh were aliens and i, I know this is going to sound a little bit wonky but part of what we were exposed to is people in my experience would dress up we, we would be given altered given uh given drugs to in, induce an altered state of consciousness and then people would dress up like aliens and 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 then it it takes a while to figure out that that wasn't true it was created but it feels real because that's what you were deceived into believing and in alison miller's work she talks about how to seek for the part of the self that floats outside the body that's an observer and I had one aspect of my psyche later in my process that could would comment and and show me the trickery of how they sort of faked what 's going on and what uh felt real at the time and then when she again had the aliens came up when she was uh you know in one hospital being uh, being transferred to another. Uh, we used our art skills, and I said uh, she talks about the Van Gogh colors being uh, purple, blue, orange, and yellow, and I said, "Well, can you take the?" And she knows. I said that y- in lavender. Yeah, and I said, "Can you uh, put Van Gogh color wigs on the aliens?" And she said, "See that happening?" And she said, "I yeah, I can see that." And I said, now, we know they're just really parts of you. Can you imagine a beautiful beam of light and just put those aliens in the beam of light? And she says, okay, I can do that. And I said, now can you step in with them into the light? And she did that, and then further on in the day, she's, I asked her, how are the aliens? She says, we're trying to get out again, and I said, well, and then we we, we did some more visualization around it, and I'll be really interested the next time, if, if she does have, have another episode of psychosis, if if this may have resolved the, the psychosis issues or not. Because what I found really fascinating um, is, you know, when she, it, it wasn't until I recovered, and recovered the the memory that i began to understand some of her delusions they were actually metaphors for the trauma that we were endured some of it's so horrific that i think we create things like a, a metaphor or something or poetry to separate ourselves from it because it's just so horrific to look at
0: wow and what's this what's the emdr what's that
1: uh emdr and it's great because you can look at it on on youtube there's one that i really like i think by jerry basic and it's 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 just like a, a basic eye sort of movement so i i have like a playlist that i play if i'm triggered i watch the emdr first i might do some eft you know tapping emotional freedom technique there's another good called reboot the brain um i found shamanic drumming or native american indian drumming in particular was really helpful because in a way it's an energetic and also feels like a spiritual component it's as well and then also there's certain sort of calming music that can bring the body back to calm
0: Hmm. wow i mean it's unfortunate but we're gonna really need these techniques moving forward. I mean, there's so much yeah, gig going on in the world yeah, that it's, it's yeah. really important that, and and also for people who haven't experienced you know traumas of this magnitude, it's all like a lot of it's very helpful. You know, mm-hmm. anyway, you know mm-hmm. the, the mindfulness practices mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and 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 so forth.
1: And it's great that because it's not a religion it can get into the school system. Uh, one A woman that I danced with, her husband got a PhD in meditation and mindfulness and his thesis was taking it into the schools.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: And young kids learning how to breathe and be aware. Because uh, I think in our modern society it's inherently a uh, toxic, uh, traumatizing experience. Like you see the press most of the stuff on the news is so neg- negative it puts you in a state of anxiousness that cycles into you know what people do to to self medicate it could be sure. as simple as consumption retail therapy
0: right retail <laughs> therapy yeah yeah that's really interesting wow so a lot to chew on we are I, you, oh you know one th- last thought you know I was thinking how apparently Van Gogh his his brother you know that they didn't sell any pieces at all and you know his brother bought a couple or something and then and then he passed away and they became of of great value you know wouldn't it be great if your sisters start cashing in on these things now
1: yeah and what's really interesting about her is i have never wanted to sell my art because Mm -hmm. i have wanted to it to be separate but she really has a desire to sell her work so the first show we had at this venue in, in on the west coast called yoga suit for nectar mm-hmm. uh, uh or the second the second show we had we decided to sell it and and she just wants to get it out in the world sure. in the world so we were selling our usually my work if people ask i'll sell it and if they see a drawing yeah. you know eight two hundred to eight hundred dollars so draw- drawings and paintings are going really inexpensively but that's her dream is to do that yeah, And I've started an Instagram uh, account uh, called at Spiral Up With Me, and my Instagram is Ginger Freedom. So I've been trying to – I discuss what we post because she doesn't have the capacity to, to uh-huh. do that right now with her disability. The medications, her hands shake really badly, so mm-hmm. she can't um, – it's hard for her to use her phone. But what's really interesting in closing Uh, I have a a short video that's integrated into the dance of her drawing, and you can see the tremor in her hands, and then it just calms down. And I asked her about that, and she says, I just tell my mind, I tell my body, I have to draw. You have to stop shaking. And then the body does, and it just speaks to me of neural plasticity, and Mm -hmm. I I wonder about that in her recovery journey yeah and our next goal is she she'd love to come to new york city so i want to design a project uh we need her housing situation she needs to get into a a situation that's not a lockdown setting a more open setting so we need to accomplish that and she also wants to uh go draw in the museums in paris and then uh, we want to go paint the landscapes where van gogh painted the same landscapes and then journey to the van gogh museum so that's kind of our project outline wow. <laughs> that, that's so inspiring and, and that Aww. would be such a lovely yeah um, kind of not get,
0: necessarily end point but a lovely yeah. place to take it from, yeah
1: from, from, from this yeah point. yeah and it's a really hopeful story i think yeah you know to see her in such great heart and courage i mean to think of this woman that was 10 years on the street she even had a child doesn't know what happened to the yeah. child on the streets and and a, another goal is my brother, when he was passing uh, he w- uh, from the trauma, he was also profoundly uh, mentally, mentally incapacitated. Uh, and he kept telling her, I want you to grow your teeth back. I want you to grow your teeth back because her front teeth are rotted out. And it's just so, so shocking to me in these facilities how when we know with gut health how they don't, in dental health? There's a direct correlation with dental health, and what I found really fascinating. There were so many parallels in Michelle's life and Van Gogh's life. He had teeth rotted out, rotting out of his mouth as well, and why they don't take care of the dental hygiene, and why they have they're fed vending machines and junk feeds with sugar that's going to change the mm, the gut and. Oh, yeah. Van Gogh also talked about how being around sick patients made them sicker, and she would comment that uh, she finds them contagious. There are just so many parallels in many ways. The mental health system hasn 't changed, but I think a really amazing model that exists right now that a good friend of mine works with in San Luis Obispo, and I think there's one on the east coast called windhorse and in this philosophy uh energetically they pair somebody up who is mentally um, broken with somebody who is sound of mind and they have a huge people in that program they go back into society working sound functional whole people knowing how to manage their lives and I would like to see the world work more towards that sort of model rather than wall off these people because they're so fascinating actually when spending time with my brother and my sister they they have gifts that people walking in everyday life don't that I would call super abled they may be what we call disabled on in one level but they're super abled in these other d- other dimensions
0: yeah well that's that's kind of the, the big early plot twist in your piece yeah is you know you might feel sorry for this person at first and then suddenly you realize oh actually this person's at <laughs> way beyond my level yeah you know in, yeah in, in certain ways um, wow well I think it's it's an amazing thing you're doing and to the the hope of putting a positive and happy uh, twist on on the Van Gogh Van Gogh artist uh, archetype and story and, um, and and
1: also the the artist response to the intensity with really concrete vision of what would help. For change, Mm -hmm. for instance, uh, not allowing facilities that are locked down to exist unless there is a truly neutral, impartial eyes in the facility monitoring and checking up on the patients what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And then also a system of checks and balances for corruption within the system itself, because economically, if you're a large corporation and there's bad shit going down, it, economically, to save your face, it's easier to pay off the patient's rights office than it is to sure. do the right and thing and want fix to keep the your problem. Up too. You don't want to lose yeah. Patients. Yeah, would be, I think, be really, really key. have a a lot of other ideas with change and that's also going to be a part of the project I've been taking notes and I want to write the legislative language for legislative change Uh, use my creative skills for that and uh, present it to politicians and become an advocate in that sort of way
0: it's amazing that you who've had struggled with you know with 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 all, all that you struggled including, like, the mental issues, still have the, the capacity and the will to take on these challenges that w- would drive anybody off the cliff, even without yeah, this, this I, rough I, background. I, mean, I, to- I
1: did, there was a, uh, after I re-entered my sister's life, uh, because of the stress of dealing with the corporation, was so intense. I did have a period of a complex PTSD flare, and for the first time in my whole life, I've always managed to hold a job, process the trauma, and sometimes I would have to take two weeks off if I had a, a, PT, a complex PTSD flare. But I had to take three months off this time. All right. But I'm thinking that it flushed out. It was like whatever final in the sewer. Now I feel really balanced, and you know I don't get triggered so much. I feel like it fleshed out all the demons that needed to be shaped into earth angels and made into art through this project. It, got wow. all, it all got dumped into this project. And yeah. I think that's why this particular work has power, such powerful energy, powerful medicine. You know, art for me is medicine. is because of the willingness to be in this fire.
0: All right. Well, thanks for your work. It's all wonderful. All right. Thank you. And uh, we've been speaking with Misa Kelly, and she's part of the collaborative collaborations in dance Dance festival which is still going on and is totally awesome and i was really pleased to see that it was packed house and you know there's a lot of interest in 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 cutting edge collaborative art so
1: thank you so much what a wonderful way to 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 spend a sacred sunday morning oh yeah (laughs) for
0: me as well all right (laughs) thanks